Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today we're gonna talk about chapter 6 from the Tower of Swallows. Okay, so some good news doesn't affect anybody but me, <laughs> but it's just something I'm happy about. It's not as hot in Southern California as it has been the past few times that I've recorded this. So that is such a good thing because by the time I'm done recording, I'm like, okay, I gotta get up. I gotta like go stick my head in the freezer. It's just been way too hot. It's been quite unpleasant and <laughs> recording uh, the podcasts and then the other things I do like my YouTube videos and uh, my gaming stuff that I've been working on. Yeah, it's rough just like kind of sitting there. And you'd think when you're sitting there not moving, it wouldn't be that bad, but I guess it's just been that hot out here. So the heat wave has passed. Hopefully there's not another one before the summer is completely over, but you really never know in Southern California. The summer can go well into the uh, month of October. And I'm just hoping that if it stays warm, it doesn't get really hot again because <laughs> I uh, just don't want to deal with that. But at least for now, we're done with that and I can sit here pleasantly recording. And I mean, I don't think I really let it affect how I came across while recording. Hopefully I didn't at least. I don't think I did. <laughs> but uh, still, it was just the whole time I'm like dying inside a little bit as I was recording. So that is not going to be the case in this episode. It's going to be a nice time where I can focus on The Witcher, enjoy talking about The Witcher, and that's what we're going to do right now. So as usual, I'll recap you on the last episode, the previous chapter. And you know what? Really quick, I was thinking about these recaps. What I normally do, which I'm sure you're familiar with by this point, but just in case, uh, what I normally do is I will recap you on the previous chapter. Like I'll give a very brief summary, but I was thinking about how that might not always be the most effective way to start the discussion of this week's chapter because sometimes the previous chapter is about a different character in a different setting. And it therefore might not be that relevant to this chapter. It could be. And I think I might have to make a judgment call depending on the situation. But moving forward, I was thinking about how with those recaps, I might recap you on the characters that this chapter is about where we last left off with them. Luckily with this chapter, chapter six in the Tower of Swallows, the previous chapter was about Geralt and his company this chapter that we're talking about today is also about that. So the the situation at hand <laughs> that I've brought up, it doesn't really so much apply in this uh, chapter, in this discussion, but in the future it might. And I know that that's happened recently. So like, for example, the last chapter was about Geralt and his company, but the chapter before that was around Siri and what she was doing at the time. So last chapter, I recapped you on what Siri was doing, but I probably should have given you an update or a refresher on what Geralt was doing the last time. That way, I just feel like it would be a little bit more, um, like it would just be, it would just be better for um, remembering what he was doing last time so that we feel more like we're picking up where we left off as opposed to 
uh, picking up where we left off with Siri. But if it if it is relevant, I will like if the previous chapter is relevant, even if it was around a different uh, character in a different setting, then I will talk about that too. But that's just one thing I might switch up a little bit in the future. But like I said, it doesn't apply to this chapter, but you can expect that in upcoming episodes. All right, well, now that that's out of the way, I will give you that recap and then I'll give you the summary of chapter six and then we'll talk about chapter six. So in the town of Reed Bruna, Geralt is brought before the Imperial Prefect who introduces him to a young criminal and series doppelganger Anglem, who warns the Witcher that an infamous local criminal known as Nightingale has been hired by a half-elf to kill him on his way to finding the druids in the Duchy of Toussaint. Since Geralt hadn't yet learned that the druids have moved to Toussaint, this must mean someone has betrayed him. He comes to the conclusion that Yennefer was working with Vilgefortz to use a remote detecting spell to track him and the company, even though this probably isn't what's really going on. Milva, Regis, and Dandelion set off in the direction of Toussaint while Geralt, Cahir, and Angolan head towards the town of Bellhaven to search for this half-elf. Well, that is what happened in the last chapter. Here's what happened in chapter 6. Cahir, Geralt, and Angolan arrive in the mines outside of Bellhaven where an old dwarven acquaintance of Angolan tells them where to find the half-elf. After they head over to the mine where he was said to be, Nightingale's men spot Anglem and try to take her. Before they can, the trio takes them down, which draws attention from the half-elf they were searching for. He invites them into the barracks where they try to convince him that they killed the witcher Geralt and use his medallion as proof. Turns out the half-elf was pretending not to recognize Geralt and seized Anglem, holding a dagger to her throat while Cahir and Geralt stood armed in a stalemate. Before anyone did anything, Nightingale and his men showed up. He's about to have the three of them killed until members of a Free Slope's anti-Nilfgaard resistance party use this time and place to stage an attack, giving the group a chance to escape. Unfortunately, not before Cahir receives a bad head wound from an axe. Geralt's stolen horse can only make it so far before dying of exhaustion, so Angolem continues on to try and find the rest of the company in Toussaint, while Geralt stays behind for a little bit and tends to Cahir's wound. Cahir recounts the story of how he found Ciri and Sintra the night Nilfgaard overtook the city and lets Geralt know since he's been having dreams of her again, he doesn't think she's really dead. They finally head out towards Toussaint until they travel far enough to come across the friendly and familiar face of Regis. Well, for this discussion, I want to start out by talking a little bit more about Angolem. So I know we met her in the last chapter. We learned a little bit about her, but we did get more information on Angolem and her background in this chapter. So I want to make sure that we have that established before we move forward. And you know what? I think it's actually pretty nice that we got more updates like immediately upon meeting her because we often slowly get to know new characters, which is rewarding in its own way, but it's also nice to learn a lot like right up front. So I was glad that we got a lot of the details that we got about her when we did. So to start out, there are more similarities between her and Siri. So she is actually also from Sintra and her mother was a noblewoman. Uh, difference though is that Angolan was a bastard and she wasn't raised by her parents, uh, which is actually kind of similar to Siri. She wasn't a bastard, but she was uh, 
wasn't necessarily raised by her parents because they were, or she was like a baby when, um, when they died, but she wasn't raised by foster parents. Anne Golem was raised by foster parents who treated her pretty well until she was placed in an orphanage. And this orphanage was actually described pretty horrifically. So she and the other children there were forced into prostitution and she lived there until one day they murdered her and some of the other kids there that are about her age. They murdered the owners and broke out to form a gang where they lived off the land and off of things that they stole. So this criminal path she set off on from the orphanage is how she eventually got mixed up with Nightingale. So we got to see how that happened. Uh, something that I thought was really interesting about this was you can tell that this path seriously affected her, this criminal path and everything that happened to her. And um, what an, an example of how this affected her was she offers herself to Geralt as a way of showing gratitude for saving her from prison and execution. And since there are so many parallels between Angolem and Siri, this made me think of Siri and how she might have turned out if she was with the rats for a much longer period of time. So I don't know the exact amount of time that she was with the rats, but I think it was just a few months. Honestly, it's a good thing that she wasn't with them any longer. I mean, it's still awful how things came to an end with them. I don't think that it was, I'm not okay with how things came to an end, but I think it is good that they did end when they did because I mean, she could have turned out pretty similar to Anglem, which I do like Anglem. I think she's funny. And she is a likable character, but she's obviously got a lot of problems. So it's a shame. But yeah, Siri, she's not having an easy time either, of course, outside of what she was doing with that gang. But I think that being a criminal and just living this criminal's life every day is going to lead you down a very dark path. And of course, there were other influential factors that led Angolem down that path, not just being part of this criminal youth gang, but I'm sure that alone created plenty of long-term consequences. Well, after we learn this additional information about Angolem, Cahir, Geralt, and Angolem arrive in the Bellahaven mines. Angolem doesn't want to go to the town of Bellahaven because there's a good chance that she'd be recognized by one of Nightingale's men. Plus, she knew that the half-elf had been in the area where her acquaintance, the dwarf, worked because when you walk through the area, your boots get covered in this reddish sludge that the half-elf had on his boots when he was meeting with Nightingale. So the dwarf, her acquaintance, the dwarf at first is reluctant to provide any information on the half-elf's whereabouts until Geralt knocks him down and threatens him with a knife. And last episode, I actually talked about how we might see Geralt behaving more recklessly now that he thinks Siri is dead. Like he's sort of like no nonsense now. He's not messing around. It's just like, I need these answers and nothing's gonna get in my way. I think that this was a good example of that because normally Geralt is a bit more cautious. Like I don't think if he believes Siri to be alive in this moment, he, I, I don't think he would have threatened the dwarf, at least not as quickly as he did. I don't think he would have resorted to threatening him with violence like that. I think that he has developed a kind of IDGAF attitude. So uh, the dwarf tells them the name as a result of being threatened. Uh, he tells them the name of the mine that they can expect to find the half-elf, and then they travel over there. And this is when some of Nightingale's men spot Angolem and accost her, which is 
crappy because she deliberately wanted to avoid going to the town to evade Nightingale's men, but she got caught up anyway. So she tells them the made-up story first of how the three of them killed Geralt and are there to collect the rest of the reward from the half-elf. Whether they believe her or not, they try to grab her and bring her to Nightingale, but Geralt interferes and then a quick fight breaks out and that results in Nightingale's men slaughtered. So this is actually the first time we find, we find out that the half-elf they've been referring to is Shiru. And this isn't the first time we've met him or learned about him. He's been a very minor character, but this is not the first time that he's come up. So the character, Nazarian, an even more minor character than Shiru, he divulged information about Shiru back in chapter five of Baptism of Fire. So he was about to be executed and to save himself from execution, he was willing to give some information. To rat somebody else out and the person he ratted out was Shiru and he talks about how he was one of the ones that brought Amir the fake Siri so it was ugh, kind of obvious who this was that the half-elf that they kept referring to in the previous chapter it was kind of obvious that it was Shiru but we didn't get official confirmation until this chapter that that's who it was and I didn't want to say anything like I didn't want to speculate because I mean I knew that it, I knew who it was since I've read the books before, but at the same time, I was like, they are making it pretty obvious. So I feel like I could talk about like, oh, maybe it's that Shiru, that half-elf that was, you know, a really bad guy. But I was like, no, I'll just wait. I'm going to wait. And then I even waited. I never even mentioned it in the summary. I waited until the discussion part to talk about it. So uh, we're also reminded in this chapter that he was part of the trio that broke into Codringer and Fens. And that's how he found out about the fake Siri. He found the miniature of her there and he used that to go locate the fake one. And that also he was the um, one who burned Fen alive. But you know, actually this reminder doesn't come until after he reveals he knew who Geralt was. So let's back it up a little. After Kahir, Geralt and Angolem kill Nightingale's men, Shiru approaches them asking about the witcher's death he overheard them talking about it, and he invites them into the barracks. So here, he grabs Angolem and holds a knife to her throat, letting Geralt know he's aware of who he is. He recognized him uh, because he was sent to follow him in Dorian, the place where Codringer and Fen worked. So even with Shiru threatening to kill Angolem, Geralt and Kahir don't drop their swords. But then, Nightingale and his men show up. At first, they think that it's Nilfgaardian soldiers, since some of them, in fact, are Nilfgaardian soldiers. But that's because Nightingale has these officials working for him, which isn't good, considering how bit of a guy he is. But they quickly learn, uh, Geralt, Kahir, Angolem, they quickly learn that it's uh, Nightingale, and then they realize that they're in a pretty bad pickle. So Nightingale orders his men to sharpen a stake for Angolem because he wants to give her a cruel death and then to just have Geralt and Kahir hanged. But then Shiru steps in and tells Geralt that he was the one who dispatched Codringer and Fen and that he's also going to give Geralt a painful death, like a similar to what he did with Fen. Before he can do anything, this free slopes resistance attack begins and all hell breaks loose giving the trio a chance to escape it had nothing to do with the trio it was just luck on their part 
But before they can escape, Angolem manages to cut uh, Nightingale's face, probably not lethally though. And Geralt lingers at the scene for a moment in this frenzy state, trying to locate and kill Shiru, who's very angry. Unfortunately, Kahir receives an axe to the head before Geralt comes to his senses, but then Geralt does come to his senses and he heads out with Angolem and a severely injured Kahir on somebody else's horses. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for this free slopes thing, this might have ended pretty badly for them. I really don't think that they would have been able to get out of that. I think that they probably would have gotten killed. So it's a good thing that that happened. And when it comes to this whole free slopes thing, we really don't get to learn much background, but they seem to be a Nilfgaardian resistance organization because as they attack the mines, killing and setting off bombs, they're saying things like, Long live the free slopes and deaths in the Nulf Guardian invaders and down with the tyrant Emir. So they're clearly trying to end the Nulf Guardian occupation in the slopes. I would actually be really interested to revisit their progress in the future to see if they are successful in their mission or if they fail. Because we've heard of similar things happening in newly occupied Nulf Guardian countries, and it seems like Nilfgaard tends to pretty quickly send soldiers to these lands on punitive expeditions and put an end to it. So I'm curious to see if anyone is ever successful in actually pushing Nilfgaard back out, considering how powerful Nilfgaard is. Like, I, I, I would like to know if what this whole free slopes thing is doing is actually more effective than what any of the other organizations that tried to push Nilfgaard back out were doing. Uh, but... It's, I mean, as of right now, obviously we don't know. That's why I would like to revisit it in the future to see what ended up happening there. It's not really that important in the story, but I would just like to know. I would like to see if Nilfgaard fails. And yes, I am keeping in mind that Nilfgaard did lose the first war against the Northern Kingdoms, but you know what? They're back waging war and seemingly winning. So clearly they are capable of a lot. And I just would like to know if there are any countries that they take over that they end up not being able to hold. Not that big of a deal, not that important. I just want to know. <laughs> well, after the trio gets far enough away, Angolem continues on since her horse is the only one able to continue on and Kahir can't really ride a horse anyway because he can't stop from swaying in the saddle. So she sets out for Toussaint to look for the others. Geralt and Kahir stay behind and Geralt nurses Kahir back to health. Just last chapter, he was accusing Kahir of treachery and they were fist fighting. <laughs> now this chapter, Geralt is carrying Kahir on his back and stitching up his wound and taking really good care of him. It's just funny how drastically things can change in such a short amount of time. And it's always nice when they change for the better. So I really liked that part. It's even noted that Geralt starts to like Kahir and notices that he's smart in addition to being brave. So it's kind of sweet. Anyway, after Kahir starts to recover, he tells Geralt he thinks Ciri is still alive, which is such a relief to hear that someone in the group believes that, since we know she is. And I say it's a relief knowing that <laughs> it was just the end of last chapter that we found out that everybody believed Ciri to be dead, but I still really, I hated that they thought that, because it's not true. So it's great to now know, even though it was a quick turnaround time, I'm very happy and relieved to know that somebody 
believes that she's still alive, that they believe the truth because the truth is good. Them believing that she's dead is horrible. And I don't want Geralt to continue being reckless. And I don't want them to be driven purely on revenge. I think that they're, and also they got to rescue her. If they don't think she's alive, they're not going to keep trying to rescue her. So Kahir does agree that something dreadful happened to her on the night of the equinox, but he doesn't believe that she's dead since he's been having dreams about her again. Geralt confesses that he doesn't have as many dreams anymore and that he can't remember them after he wakes up, but I guess he still does, or he's aware that he has, he still does have the dreams. And he thinks that the reason that they're so vague is because something has burned out in him, but he doesn't really confirm whether or not he still thinks she's dead. So Kahir doesn't think so, and Geralt kind of seems like he might think that, but he doesn't say one way or the other what he thinks in this chapter. Well, shortly after this conversation, Kahir tells Geralt what happened in Sintra the night that he captured Ciri. He tells the story from his perspective. So here's what happened. He said he found her after one of her pursuers, another Nilfgaardian, was killed and dropped her in the mud and then she, or I'm sorry, then he escaped, uh, Kahir escaped with her through a breach in the walls and then he hid among some bushes. Then because she was covered in mud and blood, he undressed her and tried to clean her. Geralt tells him that this is what was causing her to have nightmares, the nightmares that she was having for so long. We're very well aware of that. So after that, he fell asleep, and when he woke up the next morning, Siri was gone. And he also explains that the reason he was chosen to capture her on Thaned, even after falling out of the Emperor's good graces, was because he spoke the common speech and already knew what she looked like. But he also just wanted to. He wanted to go on that expedition to Thaned. He explains why he wanted to, and he finally, finally, explains why he wanted to search for her with Geralt. Last chapter, I was just talking about that. We, we haven't gotten any answers on that, but now we do. And this is it. After the night in Sintra, he kept seeing her in, in his dreams as a woman, not as the little girl, but as a woman. And he continues to do so, and he can't forget about her, and he thinks that he loves her. Like, he feels like he loves Siri, even though he's only seen her a couple of times, and in such weird context, too. This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but that's okay because Geralt doesn't really get it either and neither does Kahir. So I don't think it's supposed to make perfect sense, but at least we now know why Kahir joined Geralt and that's because he feels like he loves Ciri and desperately wants to see her again. So we know what's been driving him. It just isn't clear why he's having those dreams or why he feels like he loves her. So I don't know that we're, we're going to get an answer on that since Kahir doesn't know himself, but I'm happy that we at least were finally, after so much time, given an explanation as to why Kahir wanted to help them find Siri. So <laughs> Geralt and Kahir continue on until they finally reach Tucson and then they find Regis. It seems like Anglem found the others since when Geralt and Kahir stumble upon Regis, he says to them, look what the cat dragged in. 
This is a phrase commonly used by Angolan. We've only known her for a short time, but the, the girl's got some catchphrases. She's got uh, things she likes to go back to. In this chapter, she actually says a lot, um, don't teach your grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> and I love that. It's so funny. She even gets Geralt to say it at one point. So anyway, I at least think that that's what we're meant to believe, that Angolan reached the, the rest of the group, since that's what Regis said. Um, you know, he's suddenly using that phrase. I think that's what we're meant to believe. So we can probably rest assured until the next chapter, or at least the next chapter that we're with the company again, that uh, Shiro and Nightingale's men didn't catch up with her. So that's a good thought. I definitely hope that she's okay. Uh, I, yeah, I like Angle M. I don't want anything bad to happen. So uh, closing thoughts. That was very interesting to find out exactly what happened to Siri the night of the attack on Sintra. Uh, we never got to hear the whole account before now since Siri didn't seem to remember it. We only got that brief uh, bit of explanation from her point of view at the beginning of Blood of Elves. I guess there were like tiny little bits and pieces here and there, but nothing new that we learned about what happened that night until now. And you know what? I actually started to forget about it. It's kind of funny how a lot of things we're left to wonder about, things we don't get answers on, become so easily forgotten as we cover so much more of the story and then more questions just keep coming up before old ones get answered. So I'm not saying that I'm not satisfied with the fact that we got answers on questions that came up so long ago. I'm just saying, like, I really did start to forget about it a little bit, like, when it was answered. I mean, I know I was talking about that in the last chapter about, like, why Kahir, like, we never found out why Kahir wanted to join them. But, I mean, we were wondering what exactly happened after Kahir captured Siri, like, why she was having such bad nightmares. Yeah, I wasn't really even thinking about that anymore. It's been a while. Uh, I just, I don't know, it wasn't something that I was really thinking about considering all the other things we still don't have answers to. <laughs> and those questions have come up since we were left hanging on the uh, Kahir capturing Siri and Sintra thing. Uh, so this was actually a very suspenseful chapter. There were multiple moments where I thought Kahir or Angolan were going to die. I uh, never thought Geralt was going to die since he's the protagonist, but you never know with some of these more secondary characters. I would actually be really bummed at this point if Kahir died. Like, weird to think about going back to, um, like, when you think about the chapter on Thaned when Siri was, a uh, when he was about to capture Siri again and she cut him up, and this was the guy that we knew from her nightmares. We didn't know anything about him. He had no personality or anything. He didn't even have a name back then, as far as we were concerned. And uh, now I would be devastated if he died. So that's really funny how that works out. And then Angle M too. I would not be happy if she were to die. And we just met her. But you know, she's a very likable character as well. So yeah, there was some suspense there. It seemed like something very bad could have happened. But luckily, everybody made it out. Probably Angle M too. I mean, we know she made it out of the mines at least. But hopefully, she made it safely to reach the uh, rest of the group, uh, Milva, Regis, and Dandelion. Okay, looking ahead, my newest section of these episodes. <laughs> They're now in Tucson, where the druids should be. They should be reaching them soon and getting answers on Siri. 
since they are nearby. Hopefully, nothing gets in the way of that again. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I would be so pissed if something else blocks them from reaching these druids. So, hopefully they can just get there and get their answers. And I know from there they would have to set out to actually locate Siri, so that would be a whole nother thing. But at the very least, just get to the druids. They need that one very big step out of the way. They've been working towards it for way too long. <laughs> okay, also, I wonder if Geralt is going to make a point to find Shiru again to get answers on Vilgefortz's location. I'm thinking it's possible, depending on the answers he gets from the druids, Obviously, they aren't going to tell him Ciri's dead, so he probably won't be driven by revenge any longer since he'll likely return his focus to rescuing her. He didn't seem completely convinced by Kahir that Ciri is still alive, but I think he's currently considering the possibility. Maybe. He probably just doesn't know what to think anymore, which I can understand. He's been through a lot, and it's been really tough on this guy trying to find Ciri again, so yeah. Can't even imagine what the poor Witcher must be going through, but I feel bad for him. And I could just imagine, like, he, yeah, he, he can't even know what to think anymore. Alrighty. Well, that is all I have for you today. So, just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I'll catch you in the next episode.